This is Coda Radio, episode 530 for August 7th, 2023. Hey friend, welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development in the world of technology. My name is Chris, and grousing about the price of things, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Damn it, they took our good prices. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I'm just really fired up right now because on the live stream before we started the show this morning, I watched two CNBC puff pieces back to back that are going full pedal to the metal hype on AI and medical. Mm-hmm. And they're managing to spin the massive medical record companies sharing our medical records with Microsoft and Amazon and Oracle. They spin this as a massive convenience for consumers. It's a feature. And how insurance companies are going to use it to save a bunch of money because they're going to make it easier for you to find out if a doctor's in network. You're going to be able to search now and find out if a doctor's in network. That's what, they're, that's what they say. <laughs> so can we introduce our, our recurring guest? Yeah, who's that? He has a comment on this. Misa back. Oh, God. Misa going to put in your record that you are great drug user and smoker, and it will <laughs> never come out. Yeah, it's not like ChatGPT ever gets it wrong, and they are using ChatGPT to summarize records and do all that kind of stuff. Of course, the insurance companies will use it to find loopholes not to pay you, because obviously you've already been able to search if a doctor's in network. You don't need ChatGPT. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's actually more like Dune for the insurance companies. <laughs> they have the Ben Jesuit sisterhood just finding every loophole in that contract possible. <laughs> Oh, oh, man, I had such a bad father moment with Dune. We were we were in the last 20 minutes of Dune, and my Jellyfin server crashed on me, and we couldn't Ooh. finish the movie. Are we, are, now, are we talking, like, good Dune from the 80s? No, talk- no, new Dune, new Dune. We're talking new soft Dune. boy Timothy Chalamet Dune. Yeah, yeah, the, the wife and the kid read the Dune books and then wanted to watch the new Dune movie, and, man, I tell you, when something crashes in the last 20 minutes and you can't finish the movie after you've watched a long movie like Dune, Man, that stings. <laughs> uh, Chris, the bits must flow. Don't mm. t- yeah, well, tell Tesla that. I just Ooh. want to talk about this really quickly because a group of German PhD students and a university demonstrated a method to bypass, this is a proof of concept, but bypass Tesla's paywall features like turning on the rear heaters and the seats uh, and other things by exploiting a voltage, quote, glitch, as they say, in the infotainment and connectivity of the ECU. And once you exploit this, you get root access and you can unlock features. You can extract user data. They haven't actually tested this on an in-production Tesla. They tested this on the individual components. And Tesla says, well, okay, but this is a pretty advanced, sophisticated attack. Do you remember when you used to like buy a car? And if the car had the ability to heat the seats or move them or whatever. It was just there. It was just there. Remember that? Yeah. Way back. Stay a while and listen. Seriously. Like, Stay a while and listen. So I drive GMs. I drive Chevys for now. It's about to change because I live by my Apple Maps, which is ag- agreeably taking your life into your goddamn hands. Like it's Apple Maps is like, you see that bridge? Turn right. See what happens. <laughs> Let's go for it. Go for it. You you can fly. But they want to charge you for everything now, as though the car was like an app store platform. It just makes sense, though, from a from an economy of scale standpoint. You manufacture one car, and then you just put it all in there. You got It's one production line. It's got to scale better. 
and then you just enable it via software because it's all just on a network bus anyways. The cars aren't cheap. No, but playing, you know, devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. What if it meant you could get yourself a $30,000 Tesla one day and maybe in a couple of years you splurge five grand and you turn on assist driving or something? Yeah, I feel like there's a big difference between like assisted driving and heated seats that are already built into the car and goddamn CarPlay. Yeah, especially since the phone's doing the lift with CarPlay. <laughs> well, and since you're already paying for Apple whatever right the iphone apple music i guess it's my use case so i i don't know i you know i've been looking at the car technology stuff i want to be excited but i you know i come from a family a lot of people worked at gm i should be rooting for them but they just keep screwing up like it it it's it's kind of cray-cray, right? Because all Ford or, like, Kia has to do, or Toyota, whatever, is be like, you know what you can do? Like, remember when the, the Xbox, whatever it was, Xbox One came out, and all the guy from Sony did was hand his buddy a DVD to play, or a Blu-ray to play a game? It's like, this is how you give games to your friend. It's kind of that situation, right? All Toyota has to be like, is plug in your iPhone, you're cool. Or plug in your Nexus, you're cool. Great. Yeah, maybe, you know, for geeks and people that care about this stuff it's going to be electric car conversions down the road i see more and more Mm. kits to convert existing cars to electric i'm sure it's not ideal probably you know be better to have the car built from the ground up for electric sure but uh it's an option that's probably less costly in the long run right maybe all right well we did screw up a little something last week ricardo writes in to say hello chris and mike hope you're having a nice summer on episode 592 or on 529, Mike said about uh, the Chrome attestation environment, this is going to be something that I think lives in Chrome and doesn't really go anywhere else about Google's new web environment. However, turns out Safari already has an attestation for the web and Cloudflare makes use of it. And he links us to an article, which I'll have in the show notes. And what the article kind of gets into is Safari's implementation, which is called the private access token system, is also integrated into Mac OS itself and iOS. And that's how Safari takes advantage of it. And it's used to verify the device is quote unquote legitimate before granting access to certain web features, much like a component of what Google wants to do in Chrome. But the Google Chrome one is really about collecting user identifiable information and verifying quote integrity of the system, right? It's, it's about creating a tracking mechanism built into the browser I grant you that Safari's essentially is the practical equivalent based on the way it works. However, yeah, Chrome has a 60% market share. And if you consider all Chromium-based browsers, it's essentially like a 70% market share. And Chrome is built by the ad giant of the web. Safari is built by a precocious, super secretive, super lockdown devices company. Right? They're just two different motivations. So while I don't like Safari having that, I'm much more concerned about Chromium or Chrome getting this baked in. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's still a good catch, Ricardo, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's def- we definitely missed the boat on that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it seems pretty transparent that Apple's using it as a, quote, security thing, and Google's using it as, we need to get user IDs and fingerprint you. And I don't Which, like it either way. Yeah, and both kind of suck, so. Back in my day, the web browser just rendered HTML, and that was barely good enough. You know, in the dark days, you used to just, if you had physical access to the machine, you you could control the whole machine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
those were the days. You know, I, th- I was just thinking you couldn't do this in the late nineties, early aughts, because there just wasn't enough compute and bandwidth. Right. right. So you just, you couldn't do all this extra stuff that browsers, it, it would do be now. too much waste, too much overhead. Yeah. Yeah. But with speed on the compute side and with bandwidth, uh, it has enabled these web browsers to essentially become, I mean, in the case of Chrome, it's like a mini operating system, which I want to get to in a little bit. But first, I want to say thank you to all our members out there helping to survive the adpocalypse, coderqa.co. If you want to sign up, you get an ad-free version of the show. You support us, and we drop you a coderly as a thank you. And you can find all the previous releases in the member feed as well. Also, thank you to everybody who boosts in, either by switching to a new podcast app or by getting Albi, topping that off, and then visiting the podcast index and looking up Coder Radio. When you boost in, portion of that boost goes to editor Drew and the developers of a couple of different podcasting 2.0 apps as well as the network. So we'll be getting to them boosts a little bit later in the show. But let's talk about the one that I think got linked to me the most this morning before we started Coda Radio, and that is that Zoom's new terms of service have been updated, and it establishes that video and audio from your sessions of your face and your voice can be used for its training AI models. Um, there's a little bit of weasel word in there where they get you to consent, but you essentially consent by accepting the EULA. And so when you accept the terms of service, you're essentially providing the consent they say they request. And in the EULA, it specifically says that you consent to give your video, audio, facial, and other biometric data <laughs> for their training models. So you're just on a Zoom call, zoning out, listening to a meeting, and they're going to be capturing that for training. I mean, sure, they must be recording a bunch of H.264 or whatever, AV1 or H.265 on the back end, and they're just going to run it through models, I guess. It, it's kind of a lot, right? It's, I mean, it's, uh, it, the, the other caveat here is you can opt out of this, but if you do, you can't use any of their fancy smanchy AI features. If they were going to generate a digital avatar, sort of like, you know, how Apple's claiming they're going to do that with the Vision Pro, but they're going to do it for Zoom. And then you could have your camera off, but you could still, in theory, have your face in the video. Would that be worth it? Would that be a trade-off you're willing to accept? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, because it's, it's your likeness. And once they've yeah. got that and they own that, they can do anything with it. They could sell it to any company, anybody. When you say it like that, it's your likeness. There's a Netflix, I think, what is it? Is it? Is it Black Mirror or is it the other creepy one? But like, it's one of the series and it's basically Joan is awful. And these people accidentally sold their likeness and, you know, not Netflix, but whatever they call it, StreamHub or StreamFlix in the show is making shows about how much they suck. <laughs> oh, man. And it's pretty, pretty terrible. So the company buys the rights to that likeness for whoever has it. And they, no, no, make... they don't they don't buy it. They trick you into it. It's uh, the terms of service. Right. Like Zoom is doing. Yeah. So it's, it's, I don't know, this is, I mean, when you look at Zoom got this big boost during the pandemic, and now that that's basically over, uh, they have to do something. And I guess they do have access to a lot of data, right? It's not crazy from a business perspective. It's just, it, it, they needed to come out with a lot more information on how exactly they're going to use this and what it's for. I'm sure yeah. they don't want to, right? And their internal controls. And right. Who else? Well, if you know, but the problem is, is 
Zoom could get purchased, right? I mean, all these companies, they could get sold. They can. I feel like Zoom needs to sell, sell to Microsoft. Like, and they, then all yeah. bets are off. It doesn't really matter what they commit to you. Yeah. They've already got it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the AI skeptics, they, they worry a lot about misinformation and they worry about like famous people getting, you know, their likeness used to manipulate people via social media or something, you know, some scenario like that. But I think this everyday kind of harm is more likely. And one other area that maybe they were right, and it's starting to show in the traffic, it seems that chat GPT is putting stack overflow out of business. Traffic is down over 50% at stack overflow. And it seems to kind of really accelerate when chat GPT hits the scene. Now this has been a trend that has been going on for a while. But it checks out, in my opinion. I would way rather go ask ChatGPT than go create a post on Stack Overflow. Oh, God. Yeah. A lot of that. See, I have a little bit of, uh, I, I can't say bacon, schadenfreude here. But I love bacon. Uh, okay, it could be bacon, but it's like mean bacon. It's, you know, Stack <laughs> Overflow has become like the meanest kind of bitchiest alpha nerd site on the internet. This is this. the rep. This is the problem. And... I wouldn't ask the question there anymore because people are going to like be an asshole to it's be right honest for disruption. With you. And you know, and they I understand they had strict moderation rules and blah blah blah, but at this point there's so much content that every question could be interpreted as a duplicate basically. And there's always a dickhead who's going to, you know, aggressively close your stuff or there's people sniping giving basically boilerplate answers to try to up the rap. Uh, their rep, right? Because there's a point system. I I haven't used Stack Overflow uh, substantially in years. It it's, and I used to be pretty engaged, but it's just become such a, you know, such a hostile environment that even when I used to go answer questions for people, there's always some jerk who's going to be like, "Well, actually, a more efficient way to do that would be this," and therefore downvote, and therefore you shouldn't accept his answer. Well, they got a they got a plan to bring you back. They aim to incorporate generative AI across all their platforms, and they're going to have a main focus on conversational search and what they say, enterprise knowledge ingestion. Yeah. And they're also developing a Visual Studio Code extension that will integrate public and internal content in Visual Studio Code. I mean, their, their last plan was they had a hiring platform that was just too expensive, and they were very good at protecting themselves in their terms and very bad at actually providing value. So in my and I did hire them at one point in my experience. So it's I I don't know. It's yeah, too. I would. It feels like to me if I were them, of course, I am not. I know nothing. So don't take my advice. I would double down on the human aspect and the human curation and the human answers, because it may be that chat GPT and people burn out on that because it's not always great answers and it often produce it often produces results that don't function. Um, so maybe people inevitably start trickling back to stack overflow, but if stack overflow just becomes essentially chat GPT with a different UI, <laughs> then they're not going to go there either. They're going to find, well, I mean, you know, the Uber fans of stack overflow are very aggressive, very alpha geek kind of folks, right? It's strange because they are also like, I hate the word, but they're very like politically correct too. And it, you know what? You know what it reminds me of. This is terrible, but they're like the super kind of aggro Microsoft dev people because yeah, they're, they're okay. very they're very into being professional, but they're very like these are the rules. This is this, and it, it just turns out the platform isn't that useful anymore because I think you needed to lose. 
you know, you, back in the day, you'd have like five answers for every question. And yeah, I, 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 or five duplicates. But sometimes there are edge cases that having, like, what is the harm of having similar questions? Right. They just hate it. Yeah. Not to mention things change over time. Well, ideas and, and, and practices change over time. And the founders sold out too, right? It's not like, you know, there's a lot that went on behind the scenes. And they need, like everybody else, they need to generate positive uh, profitability and revenue. I'm, I'm a little surprised, given that, like, these sites like Indeed still exist, that the whole headhunting thing did not work for them. Do you, well, do you want to hear my cynical take? Go ahead. Is this is just, this is just to stop the bleeding. Because you and I off air have talked about this, and I hate to be this guy, but mm. I've also noticed financial Twitter, I hate saying that, but I've noticed the financial heads that I follow on Twitter have been talking about this for a long time. The money from investment firms and VCs is only going to AI projects, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. It is a fundamental shift in where funding is going. And VC-backed companies are failing. I, I know a couple of people that work at companies that have gotten series one, you know, A, B and C funding, and they're just doing round after round of layoffs. Yep. Then you combine that with the rising interest rates. It's getting really tight out there. And so the only companies that are getting any money are the ones that have a AI play. We saw this with blockchain a year ago. It's just now AI is the cycle. Do you agree? I agree. I, I would add, though, it's not just the AI is the cycle. It's that the valuations were too high, right? It was, it was, you know, what I say every week, drunk money. It was drunk money because of the low interest rates. And I, I you know, other than your open AIs, I would say your smaller plays, um, your no-name founders that are doing their first uh, first company, they're not going to see the structure or the types of deals that the last generation, let's say, in the, quote, mobile era saw. VCs are, are honestly, and maybe they should, right? But they're, you know, they put their pants back on and daddy's home and no more bull****. It's going to be like it used to be. It's interesting because if you look back through the cycles of tech, you know, I, I started in the late 90s. The, the last cycle that I was really participated in that I came into was going from centralized DOS terminals and Unix terminals to distributed Windows desktops and Windows servers or or Linux systems and Solaris systems and watching that transition from centralized to decentralized. And then I kind of watched it go back to the cloud. And that's kind of when I left it. But after I left the mobile cycle really kicked off, right? The web, the, the transition to the web and the windows desktop and the PC cycle, those were legitimate booms. And then the transition to mobile was, a, was effectively a new paradigm and, not the same kind of open market, but legitimately a boom for a while. But you and I have been on the air now through the Web3 blockchain crap and now the AI crap. And neither one of those to us have ever felt genuine like the previous cycles we've seen. It just doesn't really pass the sniff test. It's like they're getting more and more desperate. And the proof is in the pudding, my friend. This is from Fast Company. We'll link it in the show notes. They write, if the current trend continues... More VC or private equity-backed startups will fall into bankruptcy this year than any point since 2010. In the first half of 2023, 338 U.S. companies have filed for bankruptcy protection, according to a newly released S&P Global Market Intelligence data, including 54 companies with private equity or venture capital backing. At that rate, 
108 VC-backed startups will fail by year's end, besting the 95 that failed in 2010. And those are just the ones that don't get sold. Right, where, where there's no backroom deal to bail out the VC. Right. Right. Yeah, well, those are just I mean, the one where they take a loss. But unfortunately, this is a pretty simple arithmetic problem. The valuations were, were too frothy. And you know what? One big difference of the mobile cycle, I would say even more than the Web 2 cycle, is in the Web 2, yeah, you could lose money. Everybody, you know, had Netscape fever from, from the original uh, round. But a lot of dumb got funded. And a lot of dumb made money, right? The, the uh, Yo app. I mean, we could go down a list of stupid things that somehow made money that shouldn't have made money. And a lot of it came from the bros that made their money mm -hmm. in the web era. Yeah. And so they just had stupid amounts of money and they just started throwing it around at crazy stuff. Well, and, the, and the, we used to bitch and moan about this all the time, right? One of our frustrations as like regular small business guys, you know, in the tech world is we always have to think about, you have to think about, is this show going to be able to make money? Are we going to have booths? Are we going to have sponsors? You know, I have to think about, okay, if I'm going to do this product, am I going to make money on it, right? Is right. Gonna... Every episode and every product you release absolutely makes or breaks it. Right. And it, it's, it's you know, and if it doesn't, you have to quickly pull the ripcord and pivot. Can I, can I solve? Is it just a mistake in the marketing? You know, there's a... Well, these companies, I, you know, I was up in, in uh, Manhattan during that cycle working with a lot of these firms, and they just, like, didn't care. No, they had beautiful offices. Coconut milk, as far as the eye can see. Plenty of staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just was, and, and, any, any, and not only that, but these VCs, they open doors, right? They are well-connected billionaires. Oh, yeah. So they help you network and they get your company to go to certain events that put you in front of, you know, the tech press and all of this that just, it's a, so they have been, they basically, it's been, you've been playing Mario and they've been playing Mario with the Game Genie cheat codes turned on the yep. entire time. Nice Game Genie reference. Yeah. I love the Game Genie. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew one uh, that basically... Their whole business model was, well, we took this investment because our VC is friends with somebody who can get us into the iFund. Now, for folks who don't know, the iFund was one of the first iPhone slash mobile dedicated VC funds. And I think it was, was it backed by Andreessen Horowitz? Somebody oh, can probably. Project. Yeah, but it was a big deal. And, and you know what? To their credit, they lost money at a rate that is mind bending to me. They yeah. barely had any revenue. Like, <laughs> forget profitability. Like, my, my company makes more revenue now than they did and they sold out right and they you know the founder uh, got their nut they did fine no yeah they'll they'll losing money they'll still make money because they'll make money based on like the, the, the valuation of the shares completely not viable yeah right well, your 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 cost of goods and your cost of development was significantly higher than even your forget like Again, forget profitability. Even you're, you didn't even come close to touching break even. So, you know, this is, I, I, I hate it for the people who are getting laid off. I hate it. And I think there are good founders out there who just, you know, it's like when you're, we've all been there, right? You're at a party, you're having a couple drinks or you're dancing or whatever, whatever your vice is. And in the moment you feel like this feeling will never end. Then you wake up tomorrow hungover or if you're dancing too much with a broken ankle or something, right? Like it's, it, it's, this is the hangover that we're going through and it's, it's gonna hurt. 
I'm a little concerned, as I think you alluded to, that people are just clinging to the letters A and I as though it's like the magical cure for all pain. It's not. But I don't think it's a bad thing that part of a VC conversation should be, how do you intend to become cash flow positive? I think that would be great. The cycles of this have been crazy. I got a clip I want to play that Alex clipped for us on Gigatexel on Twitter. This is you and I, January 2nd, 2018. And mid-2017, the podcast ad market started heating up. I have always kept it straight with the audience. When the market's been booming, I have told you the sun is shining. And when the market has been crap, I have said it. And here we were in 2017. And I just thought, isn't this just an interesting reflection on a different cycle we were in? The in a weird like microcosm way, it's almost like the tech market in general, where the bigger players huh, yeah. are getting bigger and more powerful. And you remember, I've been doing this for about 12 years now. So it has never been harder to close a sale. And I've never had to sell more for less. Mm. Which, which is, you know. This is why you should become the, a full-time podcaster, because the podcasting market is actually going up. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, podcasting is actually doing better than it ever has. You should just switch over. Launch three more shows, dude. You and I will work together. <laughs> and you just transition. <laughs> I actually thought about, like, just becoming, like, a tech journalist. Like, you know what? I can do this. I mean, come on. You could. Yeah, you could. You could. You've in got fact, a lot of I mean, background. Yeah. A public and tech journalist? I mean, come on. Be like, uh, I just, well, you and me, we'll launch a new tech show, and uh, we'll we'll sell three uh, $5,000 sponsors on it somehow. I don't know. We'll get Marco's advice on that. Just buy a car. It's a Chevy, not a Tesla. So that, by the way, that shows you the relative ranks of hierarchy. Yeah. In the, uh, yeah. Really, right? Yeah. yeah. The Malibu versus the Tesla. Yeah. yeah it's it, like, it, the name yeah. makes all the difference in the uh, in the brand world, you know? It really makes all Although the difference. Although I have to say, like, I... I I'm not, well, I should be ashamed, but I'm not. 3 a.m. last night, I was basically in a place where I was just like thinking, I could burn this to the ground, get an iMac Pro, and just like do little consulting and be done. It was crazy. Uh, now back to today. Podcasts were getting sponsorships from Ford. It was a totally different cycle that we were going through. And we're now just watching the, the, the world kind of got used to the way it was. That's so if you imagine things started heating up because what 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 heated up podcast ad market, the same thing that heated up all of tech, that heated up everything, easy money. And it starts in 2017, really hitting like the entire industry. And I think it just happened long enough that people thought this was always the way it's going to be. And you're seeing even now friends of mine and others in the podcast industry like Twit. They're struggling to realize there's a new reality on the ground and they're just grasping onto older models that are being yanked away by market forces so far outside their control. They're not even aware it's happening. And it's the same thing applying to tech right now. It is really kind of wild to watch it. You know, as you get older, I guess this is where the wisdom comes from. Well, right, because you keep saying cycles. These are cycles, right? This isn't the end, right? We haven't hit some terminal point. There will be another boom cycle. And, you know, I think you and I just need to take that sweet, sweet VC money, to be honest with you. Yeah, we better get working on that AI podcast. Tailscale.com slash coder. Head on over there to get a free personal account for up to 100 devices for free. It's not a limited time trial thing. And you get unlimited subnets. And it's a great way to support the show. Tailscale is a simple, secure mesh VPN that you can get up and running on your devices in just minutes. 
from your iPhone to a Raspberry Pi, a VPS, a VM, even a container, you can get it running TailScale. And the devices, like I have a solar charger that's just an appliance. You can't put TailScale on that. But with subnet routing, I can still get to it and I can monitor my solar panels and all of that. It lets you easily manage and give access when needed to private resources. Like my buddy Alex and I, we share one machine between us on our tail nets for testing over self-hosting. And it has lots of nice little tools like TailScale SSH, which lets you log in using your TailScale credentials, which are very easy to manage. Also, I love TailScale Send, which is kind of like AirDrop, but for all your devices that use TailScale. So I'll use it to send files to my Android device for my Linux desktop. All of it's built on top of Wirecard, the best VPN tech in the business, something we watched get built over the last few years. And TailScale, I think, is like the ultimate realization of what Wireguard is capable of, letting you quickly create a secure mesh network between your servers, your computers, your mobile devices, even when separated by firewalls or subnets. I can attest it even works when you got that dreaded double NAT from your carrier. I've used TailScale over multiple different mobile connections. And TailScale has a little event going on. This You have to be listening like as Coder comes out, but DevOps Days in Chicago is going on this week. And on Wednesday evening, 5 p.m. local time at the River Restaurant, they're hosting a little TailScale happy hour. So if you're going to go to DevOps Days and you're listening to this in real time, you might go check out the TailScale folks. I think they're going to be there. Our buddy Alex might be kicking around, and it sounds like they're putting a dinner together. Wednesday night. So go to tailscale.com slash coder. That'll get you started. You get a hundred devices for free. It's a great way to support the show. And then you can really start seeing how Tailscale will help you reinvent the way you do VPNs. No more big clunky boxes to manage. No weird software clients that have to like install these crazy kernel extensions on Mac OS or Windows. It's just really straightforward by the book and works great with all the different OSs out there. Go try it. We love it and support the show. Tailscale.com slash coder. Well, are you ready to put Fedora on your Apple Silicon Mac? Because recently Fedora and the Asahi project announced close collaboration and that the Asahi Linux project would be switching their flagship distribution over to Fedora. So right now there's this spin of Fedora that has special sort of out of tree patches applied to it to enable certain things like kernel patches or Mesa patches so the video works right alongside a standard Fedora install. And the long-term goal is to just upstream all of that and have all of this eventually just fold into Fedora. And you can just download, this will be in a couple of years maybe, but I don't know, maybe a year. You download the standard Fedora workstation ISO. You don't have to go find a special one, but you'll eventually just download the standard Fedora workstation ISO, plug it into your MacBook, and you can install Linux. Mm. Or realistically, they'll probably give you a script. What they do now is they have a, a shell script that you download from their GitHub and it repartitions your Mac using Apple's native tools and then creates a dual boot for you and puts Fedora on there. What do you think of this? Does this appeal to you at all? Uh, to be, no, but I could see how people would like it. Here, I'll tell you where I think maybe it could work for you. All right, picture it. It's 2026, 2025 ish, right? And you got a couple of these old M1 machines still around. Mm hmm. And they're basically just dogs with Mac OS. You got a new team member hiring coming on. They don't mind using Linux at all. Mm. You throw Fedora on there. They've essentially got themselves a totally fully up-to-date, well-performing Fedora desktop install. And, and this probably would be, if they, up, if they truly upstream it, which they are so far, this would also be applicable to SUSE or Ubuntu because it'd all just be in the Linux kernel for the most part or in upstream Mesa. 
So I think that kind of enables a whole new life cycle for these M1 and M2 systems that Apple will probably fairly quickly move on from. Historically, you know, that first chip generation, they kind of move on pretty quick. They, they, they take their time on the initial architecture transition, but then once they've made that transition, you know, like those first x86 iMacs had a very shortened life period. It could be interesting, right? I mean, it, you know, a couple of the unknowns is how long does this project continue in a positive way? I know Asahi's been around a while, Fedora's Fedora, so yeah, I could see it. Yeah, as long as the Asahi developers can maintain and get support from the community to stay current with Apple hardware updates. And in my opinion, they don't really need to be super current, because if you're going to go blow four grand or five grand on a MacBook, you're probably going to use Mac OS on it. It's not going to be until a year or two later when you want to get a little more out of the machine. Maybe you've bought a replacement that you're going to then put Linux on it in most cases. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe you'll put Chrome OS on there because check this one out. Google's got a brilliant idea. Brace yourself, Mike. What if you separated the browser from the operating system and then you could update them both separately? You ready for that? What do you think? This is Google's big idea. They're going to call it LaCrosse or something, L-A-C-R-O-S, which stands for Linux and Chrome OS, and it separates Chrome OS from the underlying Linux OS. So it's just going to be a browser on Linux. Well, Marty, it looks like we're going back. (laughs) (laughs) What a wild journey we have taken with Chrome OS, huh? It's it's weird. This this is just a weird choice on their part. I I don't. I I think this is all in the pursuit of trying to make Chrome OS a developer platform. Really? Well, they're not doing this for the kids. Yeah, but really, Chrome is the dev platform, right? You just well, yes, but every now and then you need a file system, and you need, you know, you need, you know, just a developer needs a package manager. There's just things you need, right? Over time. I guess. I mean, it just seems crazy because they're acting like you couldn't just ship an Ubuntu box with Chrome yeah. on it. Well, so here's their explanation. This is the official explanation, and I don't buy it. They say, well, you see, we couldn't do this before because there was no display manager that really was going to work for us. You see, when we came up with Chrome OS, everybody was using X11, and we didn't want to use that. So we created our own display manager, and it's all integrated in, which is horse because first of all, Wayland's been around for like 12 years. And second of all, you know, you could have, you still could have architected your own display manager and ran the browser separately. You didn't have to like graft it onto the browser. Can I fry some bacon for you? What I really think is going on. All right. Here's what I think. I think the OS team, or maybe it's the Chrome team, but I think it's the OS team is so damn sick and tired of delays from the browser team. They can't ship new kernels. They can't ship patches. They can't do packages and introduce new features to attract developers and new audiences without the browser team being involved and also updating the browser because it ultimately Mm. all has to go through the browser team. And now by separating them, they particularly call out that one of the advantages is that they will be able to separately update the stacks. And they believe by doing this, they say, They'll be able to ship driver updates for longer and support devices for longer. The implication being that with the current model, they couldn't because they're being held back by the browser. So that's my bacon. That's some pretty tasty bacon. I just <laughs> And they're using Wayland to do it, too. That's the other enabling technology here, right? So they're going to use Wayland. So it's mm. 
potentially going to make Chrome a better Linux desktop Wayland citizen too, which could be good for just regular Linux users. I don't know. Something? Maybe? I mean, it, it doesn't make me want to develop for Chrome OS, but, you know, what is Chrome OS but Chrome? So it's, you could say that it's the most popular development platform around, right? I, I don't know. Yeah, oh, God. There's, there's some fire across the bow. <laughs> Ooh, random jingle. All right. I had a quick, fun little update because I, I almost feel like somebody at Albie is listening to the Coda Radio program because this last week, the Albi developers, those, those are the folks that make the lightning extension that lets you boost from the web. Uh, and they've also integrated like the Nostr protocol and they're, they're really sharp lightning developers in general. They have released package zap. And I mentioned this on Linux unplugged, but I want to talk about it here because this is where the idea originated and package zap gives a way for Node.js developers to easily fund packages they're relying upon for their project. And it's doing it all over the Lightning Network, sending essentially boosts or zaps. And I think this is just so awesome because when we covered that story a little while ago about that lone developer who made that quintessential Node.js library that everybody depended on to like add color to, to their output, I thought, and I pontificated on the show, it just seems like if we can do splits for podcasts where when you boost the show... It goes to Drew and it's going to podcast app developers and it's going to the network. It's like, couldn't you do that with software and package managers? Because it's aware of the dependencies and they've done it. Package zap. P-K-G zap. Okay. This seems neat, right? Yeah. Anything that can help fund open source development. I am all for, you know, worth a shot. Yeah. We'll see how successful it really is, but it seems like a, a move in the right direction. It's using standard protocols to do it all as well. So, and it's all open source. There's nothing funky or weird in there. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I'm just really impressed. I, I, I'd love to see more of that kind of stuff. Boostagram. We did get some boosts, speaking of which. And our first boost, it is our baller boost of the episode, comes in from the pod sage himself, Dave Jones, 50,000 sats. Hey! Dave writes, the Web Integrity API stuff just means that people will switch their primary browser to something like Edge or Firefox or Brave and only use Chrome for Google properties. Maybe. Hey, let's poll the audience. If you're in the chat room, are you on Chrome or Firefox? Let us know. And if you're listening, write in or boost in. Have you switched to Firefox recently? Does this stuff make you want to leave Chrome? Uh, Dave continues, Chrome is still a manual download. Edge and Safari are baked into the pie. Chrome can lose market share rapidly under the right circumstances. Ooh. Hmm. I don't know about that. I mean, sure. Yeah? On yeah. an infinite timeline, anything is possible. But, <laughs> I, you know, Chrome is like the de facto dev target. Like, I intentionally test in Safari for for our, you know, development because I know that everybody else is using Chrome. Yeah, and they're not using it by some edict or for any like particular reason. They're using it because, well, they log in with their account, right? The TMB were a Google Shop. They log in and syncs all their crap. And it doesn't matter if you know uh, most of us have two laptops, uh, either a Linux or a Mac, or a, and then a Windows. And honestly, like things, I had to. A customer sent us something this morning, a potential sale, and I, for the life of me, I couldn't get their application to work in Safari. You know, just little, like, 
stupid like JavaScript errors that made it impossible to use. And I moved over to Chrome, and it just kind of worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was still jank, don't get me wrong, but it but it worked. I could see what they were talking about. Uh, this is a legacy app they had written God knows when. So I I don't see Chrome going down. I mean, I think me and Chris retire before Chrome is dead. So Yeah, you might be right. I, I, I think it's just the whole Chromium base has such a stranglehold, too. And if Google bakes things in at that level, people might bail to Edge, but we might not be much better off. The other thing Dave does that I wanted to mention, because he's just a awesome dude is he's been automatically boosting in 10,000 sats once a week, uh, which our script Oops. hasn't pulled in, but I just wanted to give him a shout out for that. Gearbeard comes in with 35,900 sats. Hashtag objective C for life. Speaking your language there, man. I love it. You got one. You got one there. Paul J comes in with a row of McDucks, 22,222 sats. Things are looking up for old McDuck. He writes first time booster. I listened to JB for over 10 years. Thanks for all the wonderful content. I'm wondering, which is the best self-hosted LLM you integrate in a project to avoid funding OpenAI and Altman's Crapcoin, MQ402QT, from the Podcast Index, too? Oh, a self-hosted? Yeah. So this is a bit spicy because of the timing, right? Yeah. Uh, that what is what is Facebook's? It's not called Loom. I want to call it Loom, but I know that's I, wrong. I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That that one looks like it's pretty powerful. I haven't gotten to play with it yet. I mean, I'm pretty hooked into OpenAI at this point. Um, you know, for when I'm doing AI, it's basically an Alice project, and Alice runs and in plug, plug, plug Docker because we were right about it, and Hey-o. it still rocks. I feel like for what you're doing too, in a way, OpenAI is almost like a feature on the box. People know that brand. They, yeah, they I know charge extra for it. Right? Yeah, right. And to be honest, most people don't need it. Right. It's well, it's really like you don't need that. I it's, would love to know if there is a, a fairly competent one that you can fully self-host because I do a lot of stuff that I think most I think it's got to be the Facebook one. It's got to be right. Yeah. It's got to be. But has anybody packaged that up? Like, if you haven't seen Easy Stable Diffusion. Good God, what an awesome project. Mac, Linux, doesn't matter. You download a shell script, it builds the whole environment for you, gets all the models, and then generates a really easy-to-use web page to use Stable Diffusion right on your local box. Uh, Gamma is uh, messaging us in the in the Matrix channel, which you should all join. It's called Llama. That's right, it's called Llama. Ah, uh-huh, thank you. Yep. Yeah, yep. L-L-A-M-A. Right, see, because L-L, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, this is such an evolving space right now. It's you know, we we tried to tamp down the hype a little bit in the hoopla section, but there, there really is something here. It's it's not just vapor. I use it for every episode to summarize the show notes into keywords. Sometimes to help generate titles, uh, to generate the live stream imagery. So there's clearly utility. So I didn't put it in the show notes, but I should have. I'll, I'll add it after. Uh, I'm I've been doing a little bit of my own content marketing on LinkedIn because. I don't want to pay anybody. And I used OpenAI. So I did a little trick. I, what the hell did I say? Uh, Chris, I know you don't do LinkedIn. but I don't, but I feel kind of like I should. I, uh, You know what? The returns are great. Uh, first, first, yeah. So I the title of the article, AI on acid, question mark. It's on here. I'll throw it in the, the chat. Basically, it was an article that I'm talking about all the kind of hallucination bullshit that ai can do and at the end i spoiler alert reveal that the article itself and the cover images were generated by OpenAI. 
That is a pretty awesome cover image, I have to say. Yeah, and it it it, it actually converted for me pretty well. I know I'm getting into the business side of things, but I this is where like someone yelled at me on Twitter, or I'm not calling it X. I'm calling it Twitter. It's why it's it's, it's Facebook, not Meta. It's Twitter, not X. I ran a twenty five no twenty five dollar Facebook, uh, sorry Twitter campaign. I got more impressions than I ever had before running ads there for that amount of money for even double or triple i used to run them in quantities of 150 to 200 and i think it's because the big companies won't buy from them anymore but i got oh i was wondering yeah okay other than one person who like felt they needed to tell me that elon musk hangs out with douchebags uh i got some really good value on that i don't know why i'm telling you all this because it screws it up if other people do it it's kind of nice to know there's results. Yeah, well, some of the results are bull. Right, the crypto guys. Were, they, trust me, they were eager. They were there. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> the bots were there, but uh-huh, yeah. I got some real interest. I I got like two calls booked, which for twenty five dollars, if you've ever done content marketing and had to pay, uh, or I should say CPM ad marketing, that's like nothing. I'll remind you, a good Hendrix Martini is fifteen dollars. True. Good so point. I'm I'm pretty happy yeah. with that return. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, you know, it's, it's not nothing, right? It's useful. It's just like the robots aren't, you know, they're not going to put your doctor out of business anytime soon. No, you know, I'd, I'd almost welcome a big old recession towards the end of the year if it meant it'd wipe out most of the you want more AI firms that run these crypto bots and all this other crap that just constantly spams us. I mean, if that's what, if that's what it takes, I'll take a bad market as long as it takes to wipe this stuff out and done with it. No, 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 Chris, Chris. Nothing can wipe out the AI crypto scammers and bots. That's Nothing. true. Turns out it's human nature, isn't it? They are the cockroaches of the tech world. They will be, they're eternal. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I, st- I get, uh, yeah, because every medium has them, right? I, I still get spam calls on my phone three times a day. When everything collapses, when X finally collapses, yeah, it's going to be crypto scammers and yeah. OnlyFans girls. And just the worst, craziest, rickety product advertisements right now. So maybe that's why yours did good, because it's actually something that, you know, it's like comparatively decent. Tell you what. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. I mean, I have another one coming out tomorrow that I, I did write, but with a little bit of help from my robotic uh, nice. homie. Hey, yeah. Hey, listen, I pay for ChatGPT. I may as well use it. Yep. So Ham G comes in with 9,238 sats from the podcast index talking about the purchase politicians topic from last week. I have a somewhat hot take on this. He says, I believe we are transitioning or have transitioned from capitalism into, quote, neo feudalism. The apples and Googles are the barons. The dukes and the warlords and the politicians are the nobles in the royal court. Every small player has their bow down to has to bow down to their feudal lord or stop existing sometimes due to moats or frivolous lawsuits. Fingers crossed the standard oil moment of big tech comes. Hashtag comrade radio. I've thought about, so what are the tech workers in that? Soham? in that scenario, the tech workers at all of the big tech companies, what are they in that, in that arrangement? Cause I've had a similar line of thinking. Sharecroppers. <laughs> I thought, thought that was us. No. Andre- this, so this is not a new idea, right? It's uh uh, oh my God, I always forget the, the guy from Coding Horror, one of the founders of Stack Overflow, Jeff Spolsky, I think. Okay. I just threw it in the matrix so we can add it to the show notes. Serving at the pleasure of the king. This is from 2011. We covered it on the show way back then. It back rings a bell for sure. 
and it was about how Apple basically has made everybody they are the king and everybody they're your your sharecropping in their uh on their land, right? Indeed. It's now, granted, he's talking about iOS 5 here, so let's all take a moment. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it, none of this is new, right? We're, we're in 20, this is 12 years ago, and yeah, it's, you're, I mean, you're exactly right, man. It's, it's just, you know, it, this has been like this for a while. Mm. Um, that's why you should own your own stuff, and like, I, kind of i'm getting more to the host your own stuff go listen to self-hosted <laughs> right yeah. yeah build your own infrastructure and own it no i'm a little too deep into the google for my business to to really mm. get out but i will say in terms of their business offerings google is not nearly as evil as some other vendors are yeah i mean we still also do our email through google apps but all of the real internal tooling we use now is all self-hosted you know really you know from the docs we use to make the shows to the encoding and processing system then when we publish it that's on a platform because you know the cdn and all that but. yeah i still do self-hosted gitlab for some things i yep. have been seduced back to github <laughs> mostly because they dropped their prices <laughs> yeah. to a ridiculous level like it, my gitlab cost me more than the company github which is very disappointing because mm. just the hosting the uh, the appropriate do droplet with the appropriate storage volume to hold years and years and years of stuff uh, where GitHub, they're like, I think it's, I, I might be wrong. I'll look it up for next week, but I think it's like 2000 a year for everybody. Yeah. They're just throwing spare Azure disks at it. Well, and it's like 25% off if I pay like in one lump sum. Hmm. Oh, and I get a bunch of GitHub action credits that I have never been able to use in a full year. Like I've never been able to exceed it. Oh, and I get copilot. So yeah. Yeah. Look at them. Yeah. That is nice. It's amazing when you don't care about making money, how much value you can give. Yeah. God. Oh, that's yeah. Andre 2K writes in with 9,999 sats from Fountain. He says, thanks for the great show. I've been trying out streaming sats with Fountain, but notice for some reason, the last episode only got a few streamed. So I'm fixing that with a boost. Thank you, Andre. Nailed Thank it. you for streaming that. That's fantastic. Golden Dragon comes in with a classic row of ducks, 2,222 sats. <laughs> I love that the FBI found themselves at guilt. Peak alphabet reptile crew stuff. Yeah, that was the uh, malware that the FBI used that turned out to be on a federal ban list. <laughs> Let, let's take it easy on Agent Scully and Mulder here, right? Who has not done a git blame and realized that it was me the whole time? <laughs> yeah. And you know, they're real busy chasing UFOs these days. Hey. So. Don't even yeah. get me started. Scott comes in with a handsome 4,444 sats, plus one to the fact that we're not really living in capitalism any anymore. Damn. Cronyism-based systems end up being so distorted that you can't even tell what tech market dynamics would exist naturally anymore. This was supposed to be just a row of ducks, but my row of ducks from last week didn't go through for some reason, so now you get twice that. hey -o. You know what? These Thank are uh, This is a row of freedom eagles. <laughs> right. That's good. Can I get a soar? Yeah, I like that. Yes. That's good. That's so actually, uh, I'm going to give away my algorithm. So when the AI bot listening to this wants to replace me, I just assume the maximum amount of corruption possible. And, I mean, I've been doing, how many years have we been doing this? I've been doing pretty good, I think. Yeah. My predictions. It's a you new, can predict it. Yeah, it's just a, a new algorithm. Yeah, just assume corruption assume until corruption. proven otherwise. Oh, and if somebody <laughs> starts talking to you about, like, energy or making the world a better place or, like, channeling the world's consciousness, 
just assume they're so high yeah on their own ego the harder they go the bigger red flag it is right the more body odor you smell (laughs) if unless they're big and fat if they're like thin and you could they've got like a yoga bracelet and they smell bad you know that they're playing a character by the way everybody should watch we crashed on apple tv i like the idea that uh a thin person Mm -hmm. just decides not to wear deodorant just just as part of the character that's pretty that's some good thinking i like that i you know what i have i have avoided every deal where someone mentions their chakras to me and <laughs> sure, probably safe i i i yeah, but what if they got like a really good one you know like a really good chakra don't. like oh okay yeah listen okay my wife does yoga teaching and that crap uh-huh it's fine no disrespect i i it's a valid thing but not when you're trying to make an app for instance if you're doing uber for dog sitting and you walk in and don't start talking about dogs. Yeah. Kind of bad. Yeah, right? Flaggy. It's, it's red flaggy. Now, unless you're like you mapping the dog's chakras, which, I, you know, it's, it's beyond my competence to know. I, I just want to say Adam Newman wants to sell you uh, NFTs. What is it? NFTs for digital. Uh, I'm sorry, for green, green energy usage. Get like a carbon NFT you're talking well, now his new thing is uh, basically we work, but for apartments. Oh yeah, sure. Well, he's down. He he's down here in Florida because he you know, was like, "Where can I go?" You know what I like about that is it creates um, a real kind of motivation for a bunch of corporate owned housing, and I'm really a fan of a bunch of corporations just sitting around and owning housing instead of individual people owning housing. That just seems- I moved in in June. My gate is still broken. <laughs> all right and how there are you, you blackrock capital you want to do something <laughs> faraday Good. fedora also comes in with a row of ducks using podverse definitely seems like elon has a room full of yes men around him now a room he's got an auditorium what are you talking about yeah yeah and then an entire social network the thing yeah. is like if he's going to survive this long of course he's going to have weeded out anybody that that doubts his power well, survive he has effectively infinite money he could just do this forever I mean, yeah it's weird I would just retire. I really would. I would still do stuff, but just that, like, you know, a couple of projects a year. I would not have bought Twitter. Right. He's going to be working for a while now. Oh, man. Tell you what. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mere Mortals podcast also came in with a row of ducks. He's in Fountain. I'm going to do an episode on Value for Value podcast about open source in a couple of weeks' time. Do you guys have any recommendations of books, blogs, podcast resources, etc. that could give me a bit of history or ethos? Oh, Revolution OS. Sure. Definitely watch Revolution OS. That's definitely worth watching. And then I would try to find some of the classic stories about developers that were creating some piece of code that billion dollar companies were relying on. Oh, who's the dude that got screwed by Amazon? Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, Yeah, I can't remember his name. Man, this is bad. We're getting, we're going to start like having notes or producer on the line. We really do. We need a, we need a we need an AI bot to just when we say stuff be like this right. is what you mean. And we need the AI to transcribe and then just generate a wiki for us. What could go wrong? That could work out great. Thank you everybody who boosted in. We really appreciate it. We had ten total boosters with thirteen boosts this week, and uh, we made one hundred thirty eight thousand five hundred sixty nine sats. Working our way towards that two hundred thousand sat goal. We really appreciate the support. Of course, you can also support directly by being a member every single month. If you want to try a boost out without switching apps, go get Alby getalby.com. They're just going from strength to strength. And then you could top that off directly inside the Albi app. They got a, a feature for that. Or if you've got the Cash app already, it's all on the Lightning Network. It's like 
SMTP. Like you can just send it from one app to the other. It's not all proprietary networks. You could use the Cash App and just send it over to the Albi. And then go to the podcast index right there on the webpage. Look for Coda Radio. You can boost there. We really like that. Or you can try out that Podverse or that Fountain or Castomatic. Those are new podcast apps over at podcastapps.com. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the good people before we skedats? Uh, I threw my LinkedIn in the matrix if y'all want to hook up or go to, oh, DominicM.com. I'm actually hosting my own content again. Yay. Hey, that's neat. And uh, Alice.dev because prices go up. I keep warning you. Mm -hmm. He's told you. If you miss out, now it's going to be your own fault. You better hurry up, y'all. That Matrix room, you can find it at coder.show slash Matrix, and it persists. So if you heard us talking about something, you could always jump in there and scroll around and see what people are talking about or linking, and uh, then participate in the next live episode, perhaps. I'll be in there, too, at Chris LES in there. We also have various rooms for meetups and the other shows. Links to what we talked about today. Oh, yeah, we got them. Coder.show slash 530. You'll find our RSS feed there so you can get the show weekly. We tend to publish Wednesday mornings, thanks to our editor, Drew, who does a fantastic job. And then we record the show live, typically Tuesdays, but every now and then we change it up. So just go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar, and you get the Coder Radio lifetime in your local time zone. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Coder Radio Program. And we'll see you right back here next week.